0: So today I want to do, this this isn't what the plan was, Um, I had something else completely figured out and as I was recording the other podcast today, I just finished one, I'm going to start the other one, um, got into a little Twitter spat and it was dumb to, to say the least. Somebody started ragging on, you know, showing highlights of Devante in 2018 to prove that people in 2014 were dumb for not being happy with Devante. That's not how things work. All right, there's a reason nobody is saying that about Devontae today. So my comment essentially was, yeah, so in 2015 he wasn't very good and people were disappointed. Which is an understatement for some people, but I, it just it just annoys me. The whole, like, I'm going to pretend I knew Devontae was going to be... A- so bottom line is I got into an argument with two people that wanted to pretend that they knew Devontae was going to be great. Because obviously, which isn't the case, nobody knew. And I literally had a 15-minute argument with somebody about what the word "new" and know means and that predicting the future with 100% certainty isn't possible. And that's when I realized it's time to stop this discussion because if you don't understand the difference between thought and know, we got to stop. But as we were going, it kind of did, you know, I started actually thinking about, you know, I'm, on, on one hand, I'm on the offensive, like trying to fight. On the other hand, I'm actually trying to be introspective and like, eh, what, what did I think of Devonte at the time? Because I don't actually think I was one of the the I-want-him-off-the-team kind of guys, but I definitely didn't think he was going to be top 10, because nobody did. And I I didn't think I'd be sitting here today saying, I think he's going to be top 5 this year. That was not my thought process. And then as part of the conversations, I guess we can call it, were going on, I was trying to call on them to say, you know, it's pretty easy to predict things that already happened. How about you put your name on on something that hasn't happened yet? Tell me what you think about Spriggs. How's he going to turn out? And, of course, they didn't want to do that because it's easier to just sit here and critique people on things that they said uh, after the fact, after we find out information. It's easy to go back and laugh at people that said things that weren't true. Generally don't think that's a good way to, to act and treat people, but, you know, it's fine. I suppose some people weren't exactly fair to Devante either, so it's it's fair. But anyways, again, it got me thinking, like, well, maybe I should put my name on stuff. And I, I do it anyways, but, like, definitively, right now today... What is the trajectory of this person's career? What do I think they're going to be? Just for fun. This isn't like, you know, super free. And that was part of the problem with the Twitter thing is it's like, it, everything feels like it's like super definitive. Like, I hate Devonte as a human being. I hope he dies in a fiery crash and he never gets to play. You know, I mean, it's like, let's calm down. It was just like, look, he's not playing well. He's, you know, maybe we need to move on. And we got to treat it like it's the biggest, horrible thing that's ever happened in the history of the universe nobody was saying that and i'm not talking about that you know even when i talk about kevin king I'm, i know i have nothing against kevin king i just he hasn't been playing well that's all i'm saying but anyways that's what i want to do today is is kind of go through the list and say you know this person is here now what do i think they're going to be in the future and and i legitimately would like and and i, I say that i'm going to do this in the facebook group but i probably won't so you might have to take the initiative And just throw it out there. This is what I think. But I want to hear your opinions as well as far as what you think of of the trajectory of certain people. And just kind of put it out there. This is just for fun. Even with Devontae, and again, I understand some people don't take it for fun. Some people are super serious and they're super angry and they get super, you know, mad and, you know, they they kind of make fools of themselves. And, you know, that's what happens. You say crazy stuff and you end up sounding dumb, especially with social media and everything else. It's going to get thrown in your face. But let's just say for fun, as in like fantasy football stuff where we pretend and guess and try to do fun things because fun things are fun. Let's have fun and try to look at, uh, try to predict the futures of some of these Green Bay Packers. So anyways, if we're ready to do something just for fun without getting upset, let's take a break and um, start projecting some stuff. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. So as per usual, when I do this, I like to just start kind of at the top of the roster and work my way down. I'm going to be somewhat selective, but it, it's really just kind of, you know, if I miss somebody that you wish I had talked about, just throw it in the Facebook group. Just say, okay, well, here's my opinion on this person you didn't touch on. But for example, I'm not going to talk about Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to go through every single player. It's really just a matter of they're young. Some people think that their trajectory is going to be straight up, and some people think this is it or it gets worse or whatever, right? Aaron Rodgers, we, we, we know what he is. There's no. I mean, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, so there's really nothing to question here. However, Deshaun Kaiser and Tim Boyle are question marks. I've been pretty vocal about Tim Boyle. I, I just I have no expectations about a number three quarterback that is an undrafted free agent. And I know for whatever reason, there's this weird thing with fans and number three quarterbacks. There always has been with the Packers. There always will be with the Packers. And apparently, this is this is fan base wide. Every single fan base, and I just learned this recently, is for some reason obsessed with the number three. Um, as far as Deshaun Kaiser, I'm a little bit interested to see what happens. So, it, it I feel like we're missing a lot of information with Deshaun, and it's kind of it's kind of how I feel about Marcus Mariota, where it maybe if slightly different circumstances, things could have been different. I I don't know if Deshaun is ever going to be anything super great. So I, I'll say right off the bat, I don't think he's ever going to start for the Packers or any other team you know, absent an injury. I'm talking about like he gets paid money to be the starter going forward. That said, as it stands right now, I don't see him as a very good backup, but can he be? I think the answer actually might be yes. I think there's there's a limited window in terms of of being able to assess this before it kind of gets to the point where the Packers just move on and look for somebody else. So he's kind of got to prove it relatively soon, but it's not going to take very long. It's either he's going to be able to work within the system or he's not. But again, Mike McCarthy's system was entirely just let's just say different. Even if we're not going to say better or worse, it's just different. So Deshaun Kaiser is going to have something completely different to work with. It's going to be more similar to stuff that maybe he did in college. Uh, you know, there there is a little bit. I don't I don't even think there was overlap, but they both were at Notre Dame, Lafleur and Kaiser. So there's a little bit of familiarity there. But but again, just remember what what this offense is. It's simplified, more open receivers. I think there's going to be, you know, less with, you know, because Deshaun Kaiser is not a mobile quarterback. He is a pocket passer. He's got a strong arm. He's a stand-in-the-pocket-and-get-the-ball-out kind of guy. And I just think if if you have the the two main things that we look at at this Matt LaFleur thing is you're going to have more separation, and it's going to be, you know, kind of shorter, quicker, more timed throws two designated receivers that have been primarily selected to be the, right, in other words, the whole decoy of this offense is to get this one guy open, so the expectation is he's there. So it's simplified. That's going to help every quarterback, but Deshaun Kaiser. Beyond that, though, what's the secondary purpose of all this? It's to build up to the big play. Deshaun Kaiser has a cannon for an arm. Now, accuracy and all that stuff is going to come into play as far as how well this works, but just looking at those things... I think there's a potential that this guy could shock some people. Like, maybe this just works for him. Maybe this is what he needed. Now, if I had to put a percentage on it, I don't know, 30%. But I'm, I am interested to see what happens. And it's going to come down to, you know, because preseason isn't going to tell us very much. If he tears it up, it's going to be exciting, but it's preseason. So it's really going to come down to Matt LaFleur and his evaluation of Kaiser and, and how prolific he is. And and it'll be interesting to hear him say, like, no, this guy's this guy's solid. Like, he's, and, and remember, there was, you know, Gudekunst potentially really wanted him. There were certain people banging the table for him over Kevin King. I, I tend to think it might have been Brian Kudekunst as one of them, considering when Gutekunst got in office, one of the first things he did is trade for Deshaun Kaiser. So, I mean, the, he's a talented guy. The talent is in there somewhere, and it, 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 it we might see it. I'm going to skip over running back because I don't think there's a ton to talk about. Um, Aaron Jones, I think, is we've already seen what he is. Um, you know, we, we could maybe... Th- there's a little bit of room to talk about it, but I, I think what we've seen is what it is. And I'm not going to do rookies because that that's not what we're doing here. Primarily, it's it's guys that haven't really produced. Are they going to? Aaron Jones has produced. I don't think it's a fluke. Um, and I expect, this, injuries aside, that it's going to continue. And I think Jamal Williams... We could maybe talk about him, but I just think we've seen what he is as well. And, and you know, again, maybe with the new scheme, he kind of breaks out. I just, I don't anticipate that. So I guess that's my little blurb, and then we're moving on. Fullback, however, Mr. Danny Vitale. I, I really, I guess I'm kind of torn, because I've already talked about him and the potential he has considering his athleticism to be able to be a productive player in this offense, at LaFleur, I'm sure, wants to feature him, if at all possible, if he is actually a pretty solid player. I'll say that I can see the potential for him having a role in the offense, but if I had to put money down right now, Danny Vitale is not going to be a household name by the end of the season or by the end of his career. It's nothing against him necessarily, but he's a fullback. And and, and it's easy, it, it really is easy to make a case that he's going to blow up. I just think if, if you're playing the odds, let's cool it on the Vitale talk. But I mean... It, as far as PFF grades go, incredible pass blocker. That's a huge thing for a fullback. The athleticism, the system that likes athletic guys like this and likes to use two backs, especially if one of those backs is a receiver slash really good pass. I mean, it's perfect. And if it doesn't happen, it's almost a little bit weird, but I just, I can't sit here and say, I believe Danny Vitali is going to be a big part of the offense. And I don't know why it's so hard for me to reconcile those two. Well, because they're irreconcilable. Because I should be pumping them up. (laughs) But I just can't. As far as tight ends, you can do a lot of different stuff. Um, But I think as far as sticking with the system that I'm trying to do right now, Robert Tanyan is really the only one that fits. You know, I can try to project out Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis. But again, that's not what I'm trying to do. I think there's a lot of hype around Robert Tanyan. I think there's been a lot of flashes as far as you know him doing a couple things here and there. I just don't really buy it. And, and, and here's the important part. <sighs> the whole reason I'm doing this is the fact that I was wrong about Devontae. And again, I don't remember exactly what I was saying. I know I wasn't one of the I-want-him-off-the-team guys, but I didn't think he was going to become what he is. So the question is, who is going to blow up? Who is going to take that step? And I think with Devontae, first of all, he's a second-round pick. So there's a little bit more to work with there than Robert Tanyan. Beyond that, Jimmy Graham, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, there's a lot of competition. And expecting Robert Tanyan to take a step, I just really don't. I know there's something there, but I mean, here's the problem. And again, I'm getting back to the argument, and I don't really care about it, but it. One of the problems was they kept referencing the flashes. Everybody has flashes, man. Robert Tanyan has flashes. Trevor Davis had flashes. Everybody flashes at some point. I mean, you know, football players, flash athleticism and talent. Let's let's try to grow up, all right? Come on. How dare you? So I, I can't go off of, yeah, but he, he really showed something. Like, you, you don't remember those couple times when we cheered real loud for him? Like, of course I do. But it, it, it goes beyond that. And, and I just, I really don't think Tanyan is, and the other thing they talk about is, is you know, that uh, Rogers really liked Devontae. I personally don't remember that because my brain is mush and I don't remember anything past five minutes ago, but I'll take them at their word. But again, okay, well, he likes Robert Tanyan. He likes Jay Kumaro. There have been a lot of people that he liked, you know, Martellus Bennett a lot. Never materialized. He liked Jimmy Graham a lot. That didn't really turn out last year. So that that in and of itself isn't like a definitive, like, well, it's definitely going to work then. It's something to pay attention to, but just because he's praised Robert Tanyan doesn't mean he's going to blow up. So I, I just, I don't think so. I don't think he's really ever shown consistently over the course of a season that he's a good player. Again, Devontae, I don't think did that either, and look what he is, but you know, that's exactly what I'm trying to do, right? Some people do, some people don't. I'm putting Tanyan in the don't category. I think Tanyan will be like a lot of other tight ends we've had come through that where, you know, they show you that little bit and they're able to do some stuff and it's like you want them to take another step, but there just isn't another step. This is just what they are, like Richard Rogers, Richard Rogers was good at what he was good at, right? He was what he was. He was never going to take another step because there wasn't another step. He was just a solid, reliable guy at being a mediocre tight end. And he delivered on that every day. Offensive line, I mean, there's a lot of guys you can look at but I, I don't think oh you know what There there's there's I'm looking mostly at interior Cole Madison on the interior is somebody and, and I've kind of already touched on it see and th- maybe this is my problem maybe the guys on Twitter are right I'm, I'm super negative because I just everybody I'm looking at I just don't see them taking this st- hopefully we'll we'll get to some other people but look Cole Madison was a late round pick yes so was Brian Balaga Cole Madison was in a different system that was a completely different offense than is an NFL offense. Cole Madison took a little bit of time off, and I'm, I'm not trying to be, I know he was going through some stuff, I'm just pointing at football things, right? If I'm an actuary, I'm just taking statistics or information and trying to input it into the computer and see if that's a positive or a negative. Not saying anything about him taking time off, good for him, he needed to do it, and props to him for coming back. But taking a year off didn't help him get better at football. So my hope for Cole Madison would be that he can develop into a solid backup. I, I guess maybe to be so, almost like a Lane Taylor, which I, I'm just going to get to see. I, I'm starting to feel like I am a bad person. Like, am I just worth the worst Packer fan in the history of the world? Because that was just a backhanded slap to Lane Taylor, too. But that's just, I don't know. I, I just, I always thought he was a really good, really good backup. This is going south fast. But I am excited about Cole Madison, and, I, and I, we'll see what he can become, but I, I just think the hype is a little bit more than it should be. And I, I, I shouldn't even be talking about Cole Madison, because he technically is a rook, rookie, so whatever. Jason Spriggs, however, is somebody to talk about, and I'll, I'll be honest... There's a couple people, and I don't want to give it away, but there's a couple people that come to mind in terms of people that actually may be able to take a step and might be a better fit into that Devontae Adams mold. And I think Jason Spriggs is one of them. I think if you look at Devontae and the trajectory he took, um, you know, not a great rookie year, hurt in his second year. You know, he didn't quite take a step in his 30s, so Devontae's whole thing was not very good, not very good, kind of a step in year three to where it's like, oh, that was that was an improvement, that's good to see, and then just ba-boom, right? Oh my goodness, who is this guy? Spriggs was more horrific than decent and de- decent me- mediocre, I guess, but again, second-round guy, super athletic. Um, moving into a scheme that is a little bit more geared toward athleticism. Obviously, you still need to be a great pass blocker and everything else, and there's a lot of similarities in terms of what makes you a good tackle in regardless of what scheme you're in. But maybe this plays to his strengths a little bit more. I don't know if he's my favorite to break out, but I think if if, if we're going to look back and say there was another Devontae, and, and this is the year where you know, somebody that was just mocked and ridiculed to no end blew up, and everybody had to eat their words, I kind of feel like Spriggs could be that guy. And it would be huge for the Packers because we really need to find a replacement for Brian Balaga at some point. And if Jason Spriggs just all of a sudden, hey, guess what? I'm that guy. I'm a solid right tackle, and I'm going to be here for kind of a long time, and I'm really good, and I'm really tall and athletic and everything else, and it's going to be awesome. um, That's huge beyond huge. So, you know, again, it's less than 50% in my mind that he's going to do it, but he's got everything he needs, right? He's got all the talent. He's got the physical attributes. He's got everything. And, and you know, again, other things like the injury that's going to set you back a little bit. You know, he's fighting through some stuff. And he has been gradually improving kind of quietly with nobody paying attention because everyone just hears Spriggs' name and they hear nails on the chalkboard like, oh, don't talk to me about Spriggs. Because they remember 2016. They just remember this revolving door. So, you know, less than 50% that he's, he's a breakout guy, but he's definitely somebody to watch. And I really, really hope he takes a step because that could be one of the biggest biggest potential helps to this team would be if he could take a step. And I, and I mean a, a sizable step at that. Not just, you know, I, I guess I'm okay, I'm not terrible anymore. I mean, like, he's, he's solid. He's legitimately going to be our right tackle, that kind of a step. We don't need to draft a tackle, that kind of a step. Cornerbacks is going to be a lot of fun um, because there's a lot. I'm going to start with Tony Brown. Um, I like Tony Brown. The biggest obstacle for him, obviously, because he wasn't drafted, the automatic thought in my head is just pretty unlikely. But I really like the way that he played. And let's not pretend like the Packers haven't had some undrafted free agent cornerbacks that proved to be pretty solid. What I like about him, first of all, he's got the athleticism. He's six foot, 200 pounds, runs a 4.3.5, right? That's solid. Played for Alabama. That's pretty solid. He plays with passion. He plays with tenacity. And as much as it, and I've talked about this a thousand times, I was I was furious because we're struggling to find cornerbacks that can that can produce. Tony Brown comes in, undrafted guy. He's super hungry, super fired up. He comes in and it was something dumb like a late hit or whatever it was. McCarthy loses it and screams at him to get off the field, and he doesn't play the rest of the day that drove me insane because we need that kind of tenacity we need that and i'm sorry he made a mistake but don't just dump on the guy he's trying to make the team and you just crushed him just just tell him to you know hey you're doing great cool it a little bit that was kind of big you kind of messed that up you gave him a first down you do that again i'm gonna smack you in the face but hey you're doing awesome, stay out there, keep the energy up. I would much rather have that than just, and, and again, I, I don't think McCarthy and a lot of these guys really like the undrafted ones. Again, Demarius and, and Rollins and those guys, they stay out there no matter what. It doesn't matter how bad they are. Tony Brown goes out, whoever, this guy goes out, Pipkins goes out. They do solid, but I don't really care. Get out, You know, Randall, you go back in. So I, I think Tony Brown's going to stay. I will say that. I don't think he's going to start over Jair or Josh Jackson or Kevin King or Tremont Williams or whatever, but I think he's going to be in the rotation. I think he's going to be on the roster, and I think he's going to be a fan favorite because he does come out and produce, and there's going to be some mistakes, but we'll have a relatively low bar because he's our number five corner who legitimately could have played on our the Packers roster, what, three, four years ago and been like our number two cornerback with Ladarius Gunter. But no, I I, I do like Tony Brown. And um, as much as I don't want to take the, the wrong path and, and bet on an undrafted guy because I don't want to sound... I just, I like him. I like watching him play. I like the tenacity. I like the aggression. I think that's going to fit in real well with the guys we have. He's got the right athleticism that the Packers are looking for, the physicality, all that stuff. So I, I just think he fits. I think he fits for what they're trying to do, and I think he does a good job. Again, he's not perfect. He's not polished, it, it, but so what? Let's just, let's just get the energy up, man. Let's just get a guy out there who's going to go smack somebody in the head, who's just going to play wild. You know, if it, if it costs us a couple mistakes, whatever. Let's just go, especially the DBs, right? For, in certain ways, you got to be, you know, let's just minimize mistakes or whatever. But at some point, let's get aggressive. And when we hear that the DB, you know, again, the DBs, what are, what are they trying to do? What is what is Mike Pettin trying to do? He's trying to get more interceptions, well, aggression is what's going to do that. So, I mean, he just he just fits. So, is he going to start? No. Is he going to be on the roster? I think he is, and I think he's going to be a contributor. And again, I, I will go so far as to say that I think he's going to be a, a continue to be a fan favorite. I think a lot of people like Tony Brown. I think that's rightly so, and I'm excited to watch him. I'm not excited because I think he's going to be some great corner, like a lot of people have been saying, but I do, I like him. I like watching him play. Josh Jackson. I think he's going to take a step. So, let's do it this way pff gave him a 60.3 grade that is almost perfectly average i think this year he'll be i'll say high 60s to low 70s now his potential is really really high and i'm excited about it but i'm concerned so in other words there's a couple concerns that i had about why he maybe didn't do super well last year and i don't know that any of those things are going to be alleviated number one he was moved around a lot I think if you allow him to stay one position for a long time, he learns it and he develops in it, right? Put him on the boundary, put him in the slot, whatever it is you're going to do, let him stay there. I don't know that that's going to change. Now, even if he rotates around, he's still going to have double the experience he had last year, so he's going to be better at it. So that's a plus. But it's still only, you know, just, just let him play in one spot. The second is the difference between the zone defense he was playing in college and the press man defense he's playing in the pros, and I don't know if he's going to necessarily get that figured out. And even if he does, the thing that made him great in college, I don't know that he's going to be able to do that because he's not sitting back in zone and reading the quarterback and jumping routes. He's playing man defense. He's punching you in the chest and turning his back and running with you. It's not super easy to get picks that way. But he's, he's, he still showed all the flashes of, of still having those traits, right? He still had a ton of hands on the ball. He just has a knack for it. So I, I believe very strongly he takes a step. Whether that's him going from 60 to 67 or 60 to 77, I don't know. But I think him being able to really translate to getting a, his hands on a ton of balls and, and being kind of more of a lockdown, more corner. Um, um, what was the word I was trying to say? Two podcasts is rough, man. I don't know. And I don't even definitively know he's going to be number two, but I do, again, expect him to take a step. But how big of a step is really just going to depend on how how well he translates into this different style of defense, and how comfortably he settles into whatever role he's being put in. Next up, I'm actually going to go with Jair. And I also think he's going to take a step, but it's different than Josh Jackson. Josh Jackson is just a big question mark in terms of you know, is he ever going to be a dominant corner? I don't really know. I hope so. He's got the potential, but I don't know. Jair, I just feel comfortable he's going to take a step because he just he's just good. Right? He was good in college, and I think the biggest leap you have to make is can you do it in the pros? He did it year one. He did it in his rookie year you know learning a new defense a new scheme the 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 play speed you know he did it against the rams and they've got tons of speed and they've got great scheme and all this stuff he he showed that he's got it so i think he's going to get better And I think it's just a a natural progression, right? It's sort of like, can you get to the other side is the first first hump. And most of the people we've talked about up to this point, maybe all of them, have not even gotten to that point where can you produce at a high level in the pros? Jair has already done it. It's just a matter of how high is he going to go. So again, looking at just the PFF grade, he was a 72.4. I think he hits 80 this year. 80, by the way, in my own vernacular, is very good. For some further context, uh, there were 16 corners who are 80 or higher, and actually quite a bit less than that. Let me filter this down a little bit. So with a minimum of around 5 to 600 snaps, there were only 10 cornerbacks who had an 80 grade or higher. So I'm essentially saying he will become roughly a top 15 to top 10 cornerback in his second year is my prediction for Jair. I just, you know, and it's it's just a question of how big of a leap, right? Maybe he goes from 75 to 78. I don't know. But I just, I, I, he's got the tools. And he did it in his rookie year, which is really, really hard to do. To ever make that transition, even as a first-round pick, is very difficult. To do it when you're... You weren't projected to be a first-round pick. You're undersized. you are you got all these things that people are going to throw at you to go to a team that just is not very historically good on defense, not historically great with defensive backs, at least for a very long time. And again, just all these obstacles. He just comes in and he does it. So I, I think you give this guy another year to study and train the way the Packers expect him to in, a, in an entire offseason to study Mike Pettin's defense and to get better at Mike Pettin's defense and to understand the concepts of Mike Pettin's defense. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say eighty. Last but not least, Mr. Kevin King. Kevin King is I, I know what everyone's expecting me to say, but I even more so than Spriggs, I think Kevin King fits the Devontae Adams mold. Second round pick, ultra talented, um, you know, not super great, but he's fought through a bunch of injuries, so there's kind of those caveats of there's an excuse, which Demarius Randle had an injury That still didn't really pan out. I know he's better now as he's a safety, so that's not the greatest example. But sometimes it's, ooh, he's hurt, and and because he was hurt, that was the only reason he was bad. Now he's going to be great, and then he's just not great because it wasn't the injury, it's just that he's not very good. But we have seen the flashes with Kevin King. Let's also not forget that the Packers have consistently put Kevin King out there when he's healthy. You are the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the guy. Up until Jair showed up. And even then, I, I don't even exactly remember the timeline in terms of when Jair took over and when Kevin King's injury hit. That might have even been, you know, eh. In other words, the, the, the people that really know, the, the coaches, defensive coordinator, all that stuff, they seem to have a ton of um, belief in Kevin King. If we're also looking at his PFF grades, and again, tons of injuries and all that stuff, so it's really all convoluted, but 2017, they gave him a grade of 51, which is bad, 2018, 59.7, which is average, just right where Josh Jackson was. That is still a pretty sizable step, right? From from 50 to 60, from here, the next step would be 70. That makes you basically Jair good. If he makes just the same amount of a step and if he can stay healthy. And and, and it's The other thing is, what was the quote-unquote flash that you saw? Because there was some good and there was some bad. And I've said consistently, right, if you're trying to beat him on a go route, it's not going to happen. If you're trying to throw it over his head, it's not going to happen. But more so than that, the, the game that sticks out in everyone's mind, similar to Jair against the Rams, is Kevin King against Julio Jones. He shut him down. So I'm not going to necessarily predict that he just blows up. But I have been consistently saying for a long time and for a reason that Kevin King has not been good but may become good because I don't want this thrown back in my face if and when this guy blows up. And I know it's going to anyways but there's a very specific reason why I've been very careful about what I have been saying. I think people think he has been better than he has been. And injury means essentially nothing to me. Right? While well, he's hurt. Okay, but thats he's still not good. Right, it's like if if I broke my leg and I start hobbling at at you know a half a mile an hour trying to run down the street for whatever reason. I I don't. This is a weird analogy, but just stay with me. And somebody was like, "Dude, you're so fast." I'm like, "No, I I didn't go very fast." I'm like, well, you had a broken leg. Well, I I know, which is why I wasn't fast. But that doesn't mean I am fast. You get what I'm saying? I I it drives me nuts when it's like, well, Kevin King hasn't been very good, or or Kevin King's been great. No, he hasn't been good. Well, he's been hurt. Okay, he's been hurt, which is why he hasn't been good, which is what I've been saying. You can't just say, well, he's been hurt, therefore he has been good. That's not how that works. But regardless of any of that, the bottom line is, even if you and I have been on opposite sides of this about Kevin King, hit that reset button. That's what we got to do right now. Because 2018 and 2017 do not matter anymore. Kevin King, 2019, that's what matters. Anyways, I didn't make it last night. <laughs> so good morning. But again, you know, the the whole 50% thing, I, I, I don't think I'm being pessimistic. I think it's just sort of a, most players don't pan out, right? Most first round picks don't become great football players. That's also true of second round picks, which is what Kevin King is. So I, I don't think it's, unfair of me to say he has all the tools and all the capability of being a very good football player and he may have sort of a Devontae Adams kind of a career but still believe it's probably going to be less than 50% especially if you factor in the injury history so I'm excited because I know he can be a good football player and I really really hope he becomes a good football player because what that means for this football team I mean what what the defense is and can be with Kevin King at his full potential compared to Kevin King just being kind of a boss. Not that it means that we're a bad defense necessarily, but it just makes an absolutely massive difference. So I really, really want to eat every word that I've ever said about Kevin King. I want that so bad. And again, I, I wouldn't really necessarily eat it. I've come to learn, thanks to Twitter, that apparently if somebody has a good career later then you were wrong about them in the past. Um, I don't agree with that. But apparently there's a large contingent of people out there that think if you become a good football player, that means your entire career has been great and saying otherwise is wrong. All right. So, I mean, you could try to force feed me that. I'm just, I'm not going to really buy it. Safeties, there's not much here. I mean, you got Josh Jones. I would love to sit here and talk about the potential of Josh Jones. I still just don't think he's going to be playing for the Packers. I mean, I kind of want him to. I think he fills a need, um, and, and, you know, just putting him in that linebacker role. I, I just think, you know, and again, going back to the the talk that I had on Twitter, a, a lot of what pointed to Devontae being good that maybe I or we overlooked, possibly. Maybe I didn't. Again, I have no idea. I don't remember. But it was the fact that Aaron Rodgers really liked him and force-fed him. I think the reverse is true of Josh Jones, and I've said it before. I'm I'm stunned that Mike Pettin said, nah, we're just going to put Raven Green out there. right? We're going to put Kentrell Bryce out. Like, wh- what? What about Josh Jones? That just didn't really sit well with me. And again, and I, I, I kind of think, and I understand when you bring on Adrian Amos and you draft Darnell Savage, that's frustrating for a guy like Josh Jones, but I, I kind of think last year played into it also. I think that's kind of when it started. New regime comes in and goes, eh, I don't know about this Josh Jones guy, he's not going to play and then you go and bring somebody on, and then you draft somebody on top of that, it's understandable that Josh Owens is like, you know, maybe this isn't for me. So I guess the I don't really want to project him to be a good football player on another team. But, you know, it's similar to Josh or Kevin King. He's got the athletic tools to get it done. It really is just a matter of the mental portion. Uh, I've mentioned before, all the speed and everything is primarily going to be comprised of your mental acuity in other words your ability to get to the point where you need to be quickest has more to do with your mind than your legs josh jones can compensate for his lack of understanding where to be and when to be with his legs and people who are not super fast but are really smart would definitely benefit from being a lot faster but if you can't figure out the mental part of it if you can't process things fast enough we're talking literal fractions of seconds you know, if you're going the wrong way for an extra second and then go back the other way a second late, it makes a big difference, right? The, the, the running back's going to get around the corner, you know, taking bad angles. Just all, all this stuff adds up. So that, that's kind of tough to project, especially when your confidence is getting beat up on. You know, Josh Jones is, is, is one of those guys that whenever he does something good, he gets beat up because it's usually not good. You know, he's super physical. So he goes out and hits somebody real hard, and then everybody gets mad at him because it's like, dude, why are you so crazy? So he kind of gets beat back, kind of like the Tony Brown thing, but to a much greater extent. You know, he's like laying out Jimmy Graham in practice, like, come on, man, what are you doing? Sort of like being really, really physical is his only thing, and he kind of takes it too far. And I like physical, but, you know, you got to be a good football player. So, bottom line, do I think he's going to be a good football for, player for the Green Bay Packers? I just think that's beyond a long shot. First of all, they have to reconcile. And again, considering what happened last year with Brian Gutekunst basically taking every single person who had even hinted at maybe not wanting to be a Packer or possibly being a locker room distraction and shipped them off, it's hard to imagine Josh Jones kind of reconciling after saying, I demand a trade, and being like, oh, so let's see if we can work this out. So... I just don't think he's ever going to even necessarily play here. And then if he does, the odds of him becoming a solid contributor... eh. Otherwise, Raven Green, I've I've kind of been pretty vocal. I know a lot of people really like him. I I, I haven't really seen anything. I mean, Raven Green essentially was a backup when we didn't have very good safeties. I mean, he was a backup behind a corner, a a 36-year-old corner, and Kentrell Bryce. So, I... (sighs) I mean, anybody can turn a corner and go somewhere, but at some point you got to kind of, you know, I don't know. The odds are really stacked against the odds of of Raven Green becoming a very good safety. I mean, and especially when we have Adrian Amos and and Darnell Savage now, the odds of him breaking out and having any kind of real impact on this team, pretty small. Now, there is that third uh, safety spot, and if Josh Jones doesn't play and Tremont sticks at corner, it's essentially either going to be Mike Tyson, Trey Matthews, Will Redmond or Raven Green, it's probably going to be Raven Green, but I don't think that's going to be a long-term solution, and I don't necessarily think he's going to be a fantastic safety. Yes, because he is a football player, I expect there to be flashes, and I fully expect people that like Raven Green to blow up on Twitter every time he makes a tackle to go, oh, who's who, who said it? Who called it? Raven Green. Told you he was a freak. Week six. <laughs> He made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage like, oh, my boy, tried to tell you, defensive player of the year, son. I don't know, whatever. Linebacker, let's talk about Oren Burks because Oren Burks kind of, you know, again, he fits that criteria. Relatively early round pick. I mean, I think if you're in rounds one, two, or three, there needs to be some sort of an expectation that you're a pretty good football player. Not that it always turns out that way again. Less than 50% chance even a first-round pick is a good football player. Now, if you're a number one overall, maybe it's... I don't remember what the numbers are, but, you know, maybe. But again, Oren Burks has got the tools. Now, let me, let me just put it this way, first of all. Considering how poorly year one went, I'm going to say pretty confidently he takes a step forward. There were also injuries. Um, a lot of the issues were mental, which is not my favorite thing. You know, when, when mental is sort of the problem... It makes me nervous. However, one of the strengths of Oren Burks coming in is that he comes from a school that is known for intelligent football players. So his ability to overcome that part of it, pretty high. Uh, I think he's a really good complement to Blake Martinez. I think Blake Martinez, who has talked openly about himself understanding the scheme and what needs to happen and where people need to be, he can kind of be the Morgan Burnett to ha-ha Clinton Dix kind of thing. Right, I mentioned how HaHa was a much better football player when Morgan Burnett was next to him and kind of was able to help him out. Like, look, this is what we're doing. This is where you need to be. You know, I'm going to handle all this other stuff so you can just kind of be you. It seemed to work a lot better when he had him there. I think Blake Martinez can be the Morgan Burnett to Oren Burks. Right, He's going to be the one with uh, the helmet, with the microphone, taking the calls, telling people what to do, what where to be. And just let Oren be the, the athletic freak guy. Right, like, look, this is what's going on. Just need you to be real fast, man. And, you know, the upside for Oren Burks is pretty huge. So, you know, at this point, so what was his grade last year? It was a 44, which is really, 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 really bad. Raven Green was a 50. Trying to find somebody else that was worse than than that, than a 44. Uh, don't think I'm going to find it. Lucas Patrick was a 47. Deshaun Kaiser 34.2. That's it. The only one that was really worse. So it was really, really bad. So, so projecting him getting better is kind of a no-brainer. The question is, how good is he going to be? I would expect him to at least jump up to a 60, which isn't great. It's still kind of like he's not where we want him to be. But he's got, you know, 70-ish, you know, which is where Blake Martinez is kind of upside. Especially with, like, splash plays. Right, if we're calling blitzes up the middle, he can be super scary. And that, and that's also really scary because the uh, the offensive line is, is obviously very occupied with our defensive front. If you've got this really fast, quick linebacker just flying up the middle, it's like, as an offensive lineman, it's like, come on, man. What do you want me to do? Just tell me what to do because I don't know what to do about this. And even just being kind of that person that, you know, occasionally the linebacker kind of sits for a minute, so the offensive line is kind of like, all right, we're good here. I'm going to dedicate myself over here. And he's just got to see an opening and fly through it. He's going to get through it pretty quick. But between, you know, blitzing, tackles behind the line, you know, getting beating people to the outside, he's got a really good opportunity to be a high-impact kind of player, a big-play kind of player, if, if that makes sense. Whereas Blake may be a little bit better down-to-down. Down. You know, if somebody's running up the middle, he's going to be there intelligent, better tackler, whatever, Oren has that ability, and and the thing that really is going to take him over the edge, not only is can he make good decisions quickly, so if it's a run play, and we got to get to the outside, and we got to get there quick, see it, diagnose it, start running, and beat him there, and make the tackle, but there's also the element of coverage, and that's going to be a really big thing as well, and I mentioned how Blake Martinez, he had an 82.6 coverage grade, which is phenomenal, he does not get nearly the credit he deserves, Oren is going to primarily be that guy, and that's part of what his responsibility is going to be. He's got the speed, and we kind of saw it a little bit, but I mentioned even in in preseason, it was like, yeah, he's really fast, and he was stride for stride, but it was a half a step behind the guy, so he wasn't in position to actually break up the pass. He was just kind of close enough to make a tackle after he caught it, so he's pretty close, and you can kind of see, like, wow, he's got the speed to hang with these guys, but he's still got to be a half a step better, because he got beat every single time he was in coverage. And that's just not necessarily good enough. Again, it's in there, it's got to come out. And if it does, he can be a very good linebacker. So I expect him to take a step. If I had to take a guess, I would say he's 60s, which still isn't great. James Crawford was 60s, but it's a really big upgrade. And again, when, when you look at the full, the full picture of the defense, and then you go Oren Burks from 40 to 60, it just really, really makes this a great defense. Because now I'm looking at it and saying, we don't have holes. Like, we don't even have one. Not only do we not have a hole at a position, like most teams do, like there's one position that's just not great, we don't even have a hole at any one particular player. I mean, if a hole is like less than 60, like a subpar player, who is going to be the subpar player? The only starters on the, I mean, potential subpar players would be Darnell Savage, who I don't expect, but it's kind of like, well, I just don't really know. But it shouldn't be Amos. It's not going to be Blake. It's not going to be Jair. It's not going to be Jackson or King, probably, unless they actually regress. Because remember, they were both rated right about 60. It's definitely not going to be anyone on the defensive front unless Preston or Zadarius completely fall off. But even then, you got Rashawn Gary, so he would have to also be a bust. It's not going to be Kenny Clark. It's not going to be Mike Daniels. It's not going to be Dean Lowry. Who is the weak point on this defense? Who's going to be the guy that just gets tore up and manipulated? Who's the bad football player? I don't know who he is. Defensive line, somebody I am kind of excited about, um, and I actually do, in terms of actually believing they're going to kind of really take a step, I like Montravius. and I think he's going to get kind of mixed in, there's a lot of people, and he's just going to be kind of in a rotation, and it's more or less just kind of a gut thing, which for our purposes is useless, but it's just my honest feeling about Montravius. I mean, I I, I like, so it's, it's kind of all the factors brought into to this gut feeling. Montrevious was a third-round pick. I liked what I saw from Montrevious on film. He kind of reminded me of Kenny Clark. Obviously not nearly as as talented, but it's the the flashes and the positivity reminded me of Kenny, and sort of the negatives kind of reminded me of him. He took a leap that I'm hoping Oren Burks makes, right? He was a 47.2 in his rookie year, just about as bad as Oren. It was terrible. His second year was a 69.3. That's a massive jump. I mean, I have no anticipation of it happening, but just for context, if he takes a, a leap of the same magnitude, which is a 22-point leap, he would be a 91, which is basically Kenny Clark. Again, I, I, that's not going to happen. I just want to kind of point out how much of a leap it was from year one to year two, and it's kind of a quiet thing. People aren't really talking about it because it was an a average to slightly above average season, and he didn't play very much. You know, he, But the other thing is... If you just look at his snap count, this is also reminiscent of Kenny Clark, but in, you know, Kenny Clark's rookie year, and he was better as a rookie. Again, it's, it's a sort of a qualitative, not a quantitative thing with Kenny Clark. I'm not saying he's as good, but it's a similar kind of path. If you look at his snap counts, just going from week one to week 17, 2, 6, 5, 5, 1, 2, 5, 13, 12, 23, 19, 15, 12, 16, 25, 52. Now, some of that has to do with injuries and replacing people, but he saw more time, he got better, he's getting more acclimated to it, he's got the athleticism, he's got the talent. I think he's going to be a good defensive lineman for the team, and again, that's going to make him rotational. I think that the biggest question here is going to be, is Montrevious going to be the number three? Which would just mean, is he going to replace Dean Lowry? And I actually think he is for a couple reasons. Number one, he was really close anyways. Montravius had a 69.3 grade, uh, Dean had a 73.8 also Dean Lowry's coming up for a contract and as much as I like Dean and I think he's a good football player I don't think the Packers are going to have any interest in really paying him they're going to pay a lot of money to Kenny Clark and they don't want to put too much money into one position as we learned with Jordy Nelson so I think they're going to want to try to push Montrevious out on the field and say look we need you to be that next next guy up because we don't intend to keep Dean Lowry and again we've got We've got Kenny, we've got Montravius, we've got Lancaster, we have Looney. We have enough guys here to find a number three. Now obviously, Mike Daniels is another question mark, but that's a problem unto itself. I don't think that changes the equation very much. If anything, you, you just pay Mike Daniels to stay around. You're not going to keep Dean and Adams and then get rid of Mike? That, that just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I really think the Packers, especially with Mike Daniels and Dean Lowry coming up for contracts, and again, as much as as a fan, you want to just keep everybody forever, I think the team is always looking for replacements, because these guys are both going to get a lot more expensive, they're both getting older, I think if the Packers could have their way, Montravius steps in as a freak, and, and we just move on from both of those guys, and then we have Kenny Clark and Montrevious Adams as two very young and very talented defensive linemen you know, maybe you just put Tyler Lancaster at nose and Kenny Clark and, and Montrevious at defensive end. I I don't know what you do, but uh, again, the emphasis I think is going to be on, on giving Montrevious more time. He's gotten better. He took a big leap. Uh, he's got the potential to take a second leap and I think he's going to take it. Well, you know, what that's going to manifest into, is he going to be just Dean Lowry good? Is he, you know, is he going to become, I don't know who's between Dean Lowry and Mike Daniels. There's really nobody there, but Is he going to somewhere fall in between? Is it going to be a massive year three leap? I don't know. But I really do expect him to get even better in his third year and be a legitimate, I'll say a legitimate starter. You could technically say he was last year as well. In other words, kind of good enough. But I think he's going to go from good enough to good. Um, And then finally, we got edge rushers. And there's quite a few. I mean, Preston and Zedarius are question marks. Preston essentially had three mediocre years before he broke out in 2018. The Nick Perry dynamic makes me nervous, right? I mean, he was perfectly consistent. His three grades in 2015, 16, and 17 were 65, 63, 63. It makes me nervous a little bit. Zadarius was actually worse than that for three years, 59, 54, 60. He only had one year where he was considered average, and then he had his kind of breakout season. And in both cases, neither of them were graded out as being very, very good. Now, I love their pressure percentage. That's fantastic going to add that extra dynamic, but we're talking about Preston Smith at 76 and Zedarius Smith at 71, with Zedarius being pretty terrible at run defense, uh, Preston being a little bit more kind of uh, decent across the board, 68 pass rush, 73 run defense, 76 coverage, so Zedarius is more of a pure pass rusher, Preston's more of a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. But the, the big question for the two of them is, are they going to at least stay the same or are they just going to drop off? And I'm hoping that, again, with, with being in this situation with Kenny Clark and with Mike Daniels and with Rashawn Gary and, and with Mike Smith as the coach, I think they're at least going to stay the same. I don't know that I want to continue projecting them getting better. Maybe they do, and I really hope they do, and there's every reason for them to. But as as, as much as I hate to even say it, Kyler Fackrell kind of had a better trajectory than the other two because he had two mediocre years, which looked like Preston Smith maybe even better in his first two years, 62 to 63, and then he made a jump to 69, which isn't as high, but we're talking about the difference between Kyler and, and Zadarius, and yeah, this is all just PFF, whatever, if you don't like them, then just disregard it, but we're talking about the difference of 69 and 71, so I'm super excited, I think the, they're going to be more successful than Kyler maybe not quite in coverage, but, you know, pass rushing. And I do think it's going to be a good unit overall. But I think I'm just going to split the difference between they're just going to get way better and they're just going to completely fall off and say that I think the goal is going to be just do what you did last year, and I think they're going to be able to. But either way, I really think the success of the unit is going to depend on Rashawn Gary's development. Right? I mean, if he becomes a, a, again, a Daniil Hunter type, then just having a decent enough you know a, a relatively good Zedarius, Preston and Kyler, that's pretty huge. If Gary doesn't develop and you have Preston, Zedarius, and Kyler and it's kind of they're decent, then it is what it is right it's it's decent. But I don't really want to overlook Kyler because I I can't help but feel like it's fluky, but it it, it all just kind of makes sense. I mean, he was also a relatively early pick. He's got a ton of athleticism double-digit sacks. It was his third year, so technically it's a breakout year, right? Two mediocre years, which I know mediocre sounds ridiculous considering how ugly some of it was, and his run defense is terrible, but I I don't want to just assume he's going to regress. He kind of, and and it was his first year with Mike Pettin, so maybe Mike Pettin just put him in a really good position to succeed, and he figured out some certain tools to kind of make this whole thing work, and maybe he's not going to be a great, pass rusher in every situation, but to be a situational pass rusher, we might have something kind of decent in Kyler Fackrell. So between the three, you know, it wouldn't be super surprising if we have one disappointment, one of them really develops into something and one of them just kind of stays the same. I think that would be fantastic with with Rashawn Gary kind of doing whatever he's going to do. Um, but as far as, you know, Kendall Donerson, I don't really have a lot of expectations, you know, as, as premium of a pass as premium of a position as pass rusher is, a seventh round pick, especially as, as physically impressive as he is, there's something very seriously flawed with his game. And again, I don't know what that is, but scouts and coaches and everything, they do know what it is. I don't really expect him to develop. Um, I'm not positive he makes the team. He's going to have to show, he, I don't think he really showed much of anything. Like He wasn't even a a real big preseason standout. So he's got to at least do that. Otherwise, we're going to start talking about maybe him not being on the team. I don't know. But um, lastly, which it's weird to end on this, but I got to do things in my specific order. J.K. Scott, another uber-talented guy. He was drafted, which even though it wasn't a super high pick, got to take position into account. He is drafted and expected to be a very, 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 very good punter. We've got a new special teams coordinator, which I think is going to help because he had a really not great special teams coordinator. So just even even just having new coaches, I think, can be beneficial because you take whatever you can from your previous coach, and then you get a new coach who's going to teach you a couple other things and try to get some other things down. It's his second year. I mean, all the talent is there. He's got an an excellent leg. We've seen, again, the flashes. His hang time is unbelievable. I think he just needs to clean it up a little bit. Is he going to? I'm just going to say, yeah. I like J.K. Scott. I defended the pick when everybody else hated it. So I'm just going to ride this wave. And if it turns out being a terrible pick, then yeah. Then I guess the the age-old truth that you don't draft punters held the test of time. You just don't do it. But I'm, I'm going to stand my ground and say a punter is extremely important. And we got a really, really good one. And if it does pan out and he becomes a freakish, talented punter meaning it's not just hang time, he's actually pinning it in the 20, et cetera, et cetera. It's going to prove to be, a, 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 I think, a good pick. It's going to be worth the pick if he can develop into what he should develop into. So, anyways, uh, that's it. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, today's the 22nd, and on the 25th, which is three days away, training camp starts. Cool. So I've actually got, um, thanks again to Mr. Seamus, I've got an idea which isn't my idea, but I've I've got a plan for what we're going to do over the next three days. So um, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, because Friday will be the first day that I actually have something to talk about with training camp, is going to be kind of unraveling um, a different, just sort of a fun off-season kind of thing. And this will be our last, (laughs) gets me so excited, our last off-season, I guess, episode of the year because after that it's actual talking about actual things that are actually happening with actual football players not speculation maybe a little speculation but we're talking about actual football stuff we've got four straight days of of football with one day off four more days and with the final day being family night one more day off and then we've got a practice two joint practices with the texans and then a preseason game so we've got three days and what, two days off, three days off before our first preseason? I mean, I'm, I'm just, sorry, I'm just freaking out a bit, super excited. feel like this has been, it's very needed. <laughs> I need this. But you folks have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow. Have a good one.